Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz, right here on Apple Podcasts and on Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez, alongside the WSA All-Star, Holly Custis, in the house. Troy Wilson will not be with us um, this week, uh, but he will be returned next Tuesday for all, all his insights on college football and NFL. But today we have a great show. We are going to have the uh, owner and general manager of the uh, Utah Falcons, the IWFL champion Utah Falcons, uh, Hiroku, Kemet Muller, Jolly, uh, along with uh, Eliza Salazar, an outstanding Falcon. She'll be in uh, here with the No Joke Football Huddle in about 15 minutes. And then we're going to be talking pretty much uh, NFL Week 7, some exciting games that happen, kind of like this is the week where everything gets spread out in the NFL, who's in, who's out, who's going to be making the playoffs, kind of uh, a clearer picture of that. And then we got College Football Top 25 uh, for Week 8, and we'll dive into Great Iron Queensland uh, in the playoffs as they get uh, into three more weeks, and then we get to the playoffs. So a lot to talk about within the next uh, hour and a half or so, and we'll get in, into that. So, uh, Holly, welcome back. Um, unfortunately, your Thank Niners you. are like 0-7 now, and uh, so it's not a good season. As you, and you had uh, called it at the beginning yeah. of the year. It's going to be a tough road. But uh, this past week was, I think, more disappointing than the previous weeks because they were in every game before that, and all of a sudden this game they just kind of like, you know, against the Cowboys, of course, um, it just kind of fell short, and then they kind of this week they just kind of just didn't show up in a way, and so the Dallas kind of dominated. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was definitely a disappointing week, um, especially when they announced that uh, they were going to have C.J. start because obviously we've had a big hole at quarterback. And, you know, C.J. didn't play bad. It was more on the defensive side of the ball that we couldn't stop anything. And I think what happened is, you know, uh, our defense as a whole unit has improved from last year. However, we've had a lot of injuries, and I think um, this was the week that it, it finally really bit us. In the previous weeks, we've been competitive, and I feel like this is the week that we just fell apart. So, you know, it's kind of and Holly, it, it doesn't well. it doesn't help that they let Bowman go as well. Bowman kind of staple on, on that, that side of the me, ball. That, and and I think a lot of a lot really of fans. I, I'm in Cali up here, in Northern Cali, and a lot of fans were just livid. Uh, they were just like, "What are we doing here?" You know what I mean? It's like you. Your, your quarterback situation, and all of a sudden now you just kind of like you take away the some of the heart of the defense that was kind of keeping you in some games. Um, yeah, just I don't know what I don't know what yeah York was thinking there, but no, I I was really upset by it too because like you said, 
Uh, Bowman's been the heart of that defense, especially, you know, when uh, Patrick Willis left. And he's been kind of an inspirational story coming back from him with injuries. And and uh, I understand it, um, you know, he was getting frustrated that he wasn't getting a, a, as many reps as he would like. And, you know, I think when you're a young team like the Niners are, you have to rely more on those veteran players, especially when he's kind of the heart of that defense. And then, you know, it's crazy because I have him on my fantasy team and he was a Niner and you know when they dropped him I, I kept him on my team and and I, I you know I'm glad that I did because now I can uh, start him you know now that he's a Raider and he played really well for them um, and it's it's kind of baffling to me maybe they're just kind of like okay well now we're done for the season and we have to see what we have in the young players and see how we want to move forward uh, in the draft but we're getting to the point where, I don't know, you might be, like, in the top one or two in the draft again. And um, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of the downer. Um, a lot of fans, like I said, I have local fans also, they were very disappointed, even though they were, like, in almost in every game, the first six games, they were right there. They could have won maybe one or three or up to three games. But uh, it just didn't happen. And Dallas is obviously the better team. So, I mean, Prescott and Elliott and – just, you know, the better team. And when you don't have a, a defensive front, that's going to be tough to beat. So, uh, uh, at this point, do we write off the Niners season at this point? And it's sort of like looking forward to 2018 and the draft and all that, as you had mentioned previously? I think I think we're, we're really close to that. I mean, next week they play the Eagles. It's not going to get much easier. And, you know, they might be able to get a couple of wins out of the remaining part of the season. Um, but I think they're kind of at that point where they're like, okay, we're going to start our young players and see what we have, and then we're going to play for the draft. I don't think they're going to give up. I don't think they're like the Browns where they, you know, it's obvious that they're playing for next year. I think there's a lot of competitive guys on that team that aren't going to play like that, but I, I think the management for the front office, I think they're going to start looking to see what they actually have and the pieces that they want to move around and, and where they – you know, need some help. There's definitely some talent on the team, and there's definitely some holes. And we knew going into the season it was not going to be, uh, you know, it was not going to be an easy fix. It's going to be, you know, a couple-year process. So um, so hanging in there, seeing what happens. I, I, I like Shanahan. I, I think he'll turn it around. Uh, like you said, it's just going to take a little bit of time. Um, but that's one of the stories there in terms of what happened. But the other story, let's flip it over. Um, this guy, Carson Wentz, shows up on Monday taking on Cousins and company. I think that's the reason Troy's not here today. I think he was kind of angry. And, no, I'm just kidding. Just, <laughs> no, no, Troy, Troy would have been here, but he had something else to do. But anyways, it sounded good, didn't it? It's like Troy's gone. Yeah. He was so angry. No, no. Um, so, but, you know, uh, the Carson, has he arrived? Uh, uh, Rogers is gone as an MVP candidate. So it leaves us with uh, what I would think would be Smith in Kansas City, right? It leaves us with him right. in Philadelphia. And then we're looking at always uh, TV 12. We can't always, you know, take away TV 12. So um, would be those three would be considered, I think, front runner for MVP right now, right? I, I, I think so. I think um, when Wentz first came onto the scene, everybody thought he was just going to be a flash in the pan. And he's proven that he's more than that. Um, you know, he's still really young, 
but it was definitely a statement game for the Eagles. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest piece of that game for Wentz was when things broke down, he was able to pick up yardage uh, with his legs, and that really killed the, the Redskins. Um, and, you know, Kirk Cousins didn't play bad. He actually played really well. Um, but when you're playing teams that are really competitive like that, the smallest things will make the difference. And I think the Eagles are just have more depth top to bottom right now than the Redskins do. Um, but I think both teams are playoff caliber teams, and we'll, and, uh, we'll see how that plays out. But I think Wentz has really proven himself. I think, I think he'll still need some, uh, more experience in the playoffs and see how he operates in that setting. But as far as the regular season, I think he's proven that he's not going away and he's going to be a fixture in Philly, at least for the time being. Um, Holly, should we talk Roethlisberger in this conversation at all? No. No. Uh, as far as the MVP conversation, no. I think he had a better game uh, last the last couple of weeks, really. And I think why he's playing better is because they got Bell back on track. And I think Troy is right. I think his his uh, holdout really hurt him, and it was kind of like his first couple of weeks were like his preseason, and it took him a minute to get his feet back underneath him. And it feels like they went away from him early in the season, too, at the same time, which meant it put a lot more pressure on Ben, which meant the defense can drop a lot of people in coverage. And that one game, he had five picks, and it was just awful. But all of a sudden, they're like, oh, let's let's go back to who we really are, the feeding ball, and that takes the pressure off of Ben, and, and he's playing better. I don't think he's having an MVP year yet. That doesn't mean he can't finish strong and get up in that race. But, no, I don't, I don't think he's there yet. All right, I agree with you. I think uh, that factor is a big factor for Pittsburgh to go forward. Um, they got really good, considering the Chiefs and the Patriots are so good right now. Um, where do you see Kansas City right now? Uh, Kansas City has been the talk since week one. Can they sustain this? I, I think they can. I think if you look at the last – if you look at the – okay, so they started off on fire, and then they lost the last couple games. But the last couple games they lost really close games to really good teams. They only, you know, lost by one this last week – and they didn't it wasn't like they they played horribly in the losses. They actually were playing competitively and just came up on the wrong side of the scoreboard. And so because of that, I think they're still actually playing at a high level and I think they're still a, a huge threat in the AFC and it'll be a matter of they uh can they get back in the in the winning column and I really think I think they're a they're a dark horse in the AFC playoff race right now. Um, and I think they're they're forced to be reckoned with. They just have so many weapons, um, and they're kind of fun to watch. And uh, but no, I think they're around for the long haul. Yeah, I think the same thing. Um, I, I really I, I really like Kansas City, but offensively against the Raiders, it seems like uh, once they get into a tight game, if they can't find their main weapons. It, it becomes a kind of like caution and alert type of deal. Uh, what did you think of the Raiders in terms of that win? 
I think it was a really big win for them. I mean, you hate to use the term must-win situation so early, but honestly, I think for the Raiders that was a must-win because they were they started off strong and then they slid hard. And I think a lot of the reason why they slid hard is similar to the Steelers. They kind of went away from their identity. And it seems like this game, they kind of got their mojo back. It was a you know division game. Uh, playoff implications down the line, um, and I, I feel like that brought the best out of them. Um, you know, Carr uh, threw for 417 yards uh, and played a lot better, and I think that their key is how he performs and if they stick true to their, their offensive scheme. I think where they get in trouble is where they try to get too cute and, and go down the field too much. And it puts them uh, behind the chains a lot instead of just small dink and dunk type passes and and getting their receivers in uh, situations that they can use their speed. That's kind of who they are, and they need to stay with that. And I think they'll do fine. I don't know what Lynch was doing, by the way. You know, you would think he would know better, but Lynch is Lynch, and (laughs) it's one of those things that, I don't know. If, I don't think anybody's going to ever change that about him. Hey, uh, Holly, it's family. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> family. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, that 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 cat, if I want to talk in street lane, that cat right there, some of a special breed, just does what he wants to do, basically. I don't know. He, uh, he does. It could have hurt, hurt, hurt them. It could have hurt them. if they, I think if, it could have hurt them if they would have lost. Maybe that would have been the negative talk of things, but since they won, it was kind of like, oh, it's just, it just lets, you know what I mean? No big deal. Everybody kind of went with the flow. But uh, I don't know. It's just going to be great. Um, the Patriots, are they now the team to beat? They're back. I, I just I don't understand. They're just, this is, they always go this route, you know, productive for New England, and they, they kick it in. They got changes at personnel and all of a sudden midway through the season they really start to you know start to kick it in man i don't i think they're definitely going to make a run i don't think they've gone anywhere i don't think that this version of this team is the best we've ever seen i think the defense played really well against the falcons but i think it's actually more on the Falcons side more than anything i think that Sarkeesian is not the answer offensively for the Falcons. And honestly, after I'm not sure how this guy keeps getting jobs, I, everybody seems to think he's this genius, and he doesn't really do – he seems to do okay. Then I've never really been that impressed with him, and I feel like their offense does not feel as cohesive as it did under Shanahan. And, uh, you know, I also want to bring up – so. I don't know if you noticed during this broadcast how many times they brought up the Super Bowl, but it got to to the point that I was really glad that I didn't start a drinking game of of drinking every time they said Super Bowl because I would be absolutely gone. Holly, you don't drink. Are you disclosing something we should we should know? You don't drink, as far as I knew, right? <laughs> no, no, I I drink on occasion, but like it was it was just to the point where I was like, I know God. it was bad. It was I know like, it was bad. I'm I'm with you. New, it was... It's a new game. It's a new season. Like I get Seriously. like you want to tie it 
because it's like part of the hype to the, you know, you're broadcasting the game, you want to market the game. And I get like going into the game, making those ties, but it's like in the fourth quarter and they're still like, oh, remember when this happened in the Super Bowl and this happened in the Super Bowl and this happened in the Super Bowl. I'm like, dear God, it's okay. Okay, we get it. We get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It was, it, was, it was kind of like muted at that point. <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was, it's a different season. You're right. It's a, this is a totally different team than the than the Falcons. This is not the Shanahan Falcons. So, um, Speaking of the Falcons, <laughs> let's go into the No Joke Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. You can go to Zazzle.com forward slash Great Beauties, get everything on there, tees, leggings, shirts, Every sale helps out spotlight another amazing woman playing American football globally. So go to Zazzle.com forward slash Great Beauties and get your gear and support the project. So here we go. Uh, we are going to go into the huddle, and uh, we should have in here uh, the Utah Falcons owner and general manager, who, uh, Kemet Muller Jolly, and we're going to have uh, Falcons player standout, Eliza Salazar. So let's go into the huddle right now with the two stars here. So, Hello. ladies, uh, welcome to the Grand Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio. You're alongside WFA All-Star Holly Custis, Oscar Lopez here with you guys. Excited to have you on. Uh, Heroku, we've been going back and forth all week. Very exciting to, uh, you know, finally get to hear the voice that everybody's been talking about. I know Christina said great <laughs> things about you, and then obviously – uh, Eliza, outstanding player as well. So, uh, welcome to the Blitz. Hello. Hey, Holly. Hello. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> well, I'm excited Heroku, to be on uh, here. Like, I... Heroku, the Falcons have made a statement in women's football uh, way before the IWFL. They started playing the I- IWFL as an independently uh, team, and all of a sudden we're in the IWFL, and, and you are the what you want to call the New England Patriots of that league. <laughs> so um, how does that make you guys feel as an organization? I mean, you guys have done a, an amazing job in a short period of time. You know, it's it's surreal, honestly. You know, as I was uh, – I've told a few people and, and I've told you, you know, I started this because I just wanted to play football. I mean, that, that was the gist of it. Um, and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the game. I fell in love, especially with the women I I played with, and um, and so starting the Falcons was just giving some women an opportunity to really play and to feel respected, and um, never imagined it to to come to this, especially in such short of time. Now, good coaching staff. Uh, Louise Bean retires. It's kind of a transition at quarterback this year for you guys. But overall, your coaching staff has been intact. Very, uh, a very good staffing, in other words, you know, coaching-wise. And that is, I think, a staple for the organization in terms of the players, the discipline, uh, the amount of work that they put in. And, you know, obviously the players have sacrifices because of finances and everything else that comes to play for the, you know, to play the game. But overall, as an organization, um, it's been really, really exciting to watch you guys just, you know, excel. Thank you. Yeah, you know, we've had the, the same, um, pretty much the same coaching staff since we started. And we run the option, and that's what we're known for. That's, that's what we do, and it makes it fun. It makes it exciting. 
for other teams to watch, for our fans to watch. They they really love of how we how we play. Hiroko, uh, over two thousand fans at the uh, championship game, so that's got to make you proud. I mean, uh, you're almost uh, you know close to three thousand fans in the stands. I mean, at, at Cotton uh, Cottonwood, um, so that right yeah. there, you know, should be pretty exciting. Uh, is is this a new thing that maybe will be for the league, like to maybe centralize the championship so that everybody can make free plans ahead of time. I know that's been sort of the situation with the WFA with the game being in Pittsburgh and as an example, but is it something that, you know, owners should be looking at to just lessen the load on terms of fundraising and try to get to a certain destination so they can kind of get an idea of by the end of the year where it's going to be. You know, we don't have that. We're not like set to, to host. And, and I would love to have, to give somebody else the opportunity. Um, if nobody else wants that opportunity, sure, we'll host. You know, we, we would love to do that. But if somebody else wants that opportunity, then, then I'm all for them doing that, and um, I'll give them, you know, all the support that they need to make it successful. All right, Roku, why take on a team? This is what people will tell you. Why take on a team in a sport that you're probably going to lose money on your team? So a majority of the time you lose money. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's easy the conversation. Yes. Why do? Why are we doing this? Uh, you know, we're mortgaging our mortgage, and I, I mean, I've, I've heard it everywhere. You know, and so, oh, it's for the passion of the game. Okay, great, great. So it's no different. Like I tell my neighbor, trying to put your kid through college, and then all of a sudden he doesn't graduate. So you got to take a gamble. Right? Yeah. It's your kid, and you got to take a gamble on your kids. And hopefully they graduate and they make something out of it. But if they don't, rough times going forward. But overall, I mean, business wise. That's what that's what we get into it because it's it's really a business, and so as successful as you've as you've been, um, so is it being profitable at this point or nearby to get profitable, or are we still ways ways ahead, ways behind? We we are really close. We're really really close to 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 hitting you know getting over that that first mountaintop of of being financially successful and, and keeping that going you know for each season and um the the motivation that the drive behind it is and and i think a lot of owners would join with me in saying it's these women it's these women who who have so much love for the game and we see the potential you know we have so much fun with these women and they make it exciting for us and and that's why we keep doing it because we know that you know to, to put one of these women in in the limelight, put them in the spotlight because of, you know, what they struggle to go through to play this game, um, and to be able to give my ladies that opportunity, and to see them, you know, in the newspaper and on the news, um, that's everything to me because it it shows their strengths and it shows their talents and their abilities that would otherwise would would never be seen. Hiroko, besides the Utah Jazz and Salt Lake, uh, you know, Salt Lake soccer team, you guys are probably the next best thing in the state as far as our research. <laughs> so that's got that's got to be great, don't you think? That's like amazing. That's you're in you're in uh, pro sports company, but not obviously at their level in terms of finances. But 
overall, I mean, uh, you have gotten accolades from the state of Utah, right? We we have. Um, we were nominated for Best of States uh, last year for being in the championship game, and then also my running back was nominated Best in State Female Athlete. So, um, and we had the governor at the championship game. So we, we've got a lot of momentum behind. And for me, it's just, I just keep thinking, but, you know, we're not here yet. We're not here yet. And 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 my goal is, is to be as well-known as the Utah Jazz here in Utah and and in different states and around the world. I mean, that that's my goal. And And I couldn't do it without, the type of women that I have on my team and I couldn't do it without the type of coaches couldn't do it without those people who help out. Like it, it takes everybody. It's, it's not just me. There's just, there's so many pieces that make us who we are. Heroku, uh, Sam Gordon started the youth program in Utah. You guys have shown, you know, uh, women's uh, tackle football excellence in Utah. Um, what does it say about the state? Because this is this is the the birth of of, a, of the first youth league in the U.S. is in Utah, and an outstanding football team that you guys have is in Utah. So just overall, the community. What can you say about the community? You know, Utah is a state. You know, when I started the Falcons, I was told it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work, and people wouldn't be receptive to another women's football team in Utah, and it just it wouldn't. It wouldn't work out, and um, it, it's a much different culture here. And I think the fact that we don't have an NFL football team here, the fact that we only have one pro basketball team here, it it gives people a reason to want to be involved more in in the amateur and the and the semi pro teams, and that works for our benefit because people do come out and they get excited about watching women football and and they want to have their daughters start to play it because they see that there's potential of them to excel in something that their daughters want to do. Now let's bring Eliza here before I bring in Holly for to the conversation here. Uh Eliza, we talked to Louise Bean a while back, a uh, legendary quarterback. Obviously she's, you know, moving on, but a tremendous career with the Falcons. Um, what can you say about Louise Bean? She is an amazing woman. I am so happy that I had the opportunity to play on the field with her. She, I, something that really touched me about her. So we would do, um, before the season started, she would throw routes, you know, we'd run routes and she'd throw to us and stuff. And her, her boys were there running routes with us. It's just something about just seeing mom pass a, pass to the, her son and him catch it. It's just such a great. It, that's when it really started touching my heart. Like this is amazing that there's women out here playing football and playing catch with their sons. You know, it, it's just really cool. Now, Eliza, you had success with the Falcons. You've had your own success. Tell us a little bit about your success and how you came about to the team. How, how did you come to the Falcons? Um, well, it was hard not to hear about the Falcons once they started, um, and I just loved what I heard about what Hokie was, what Hiroko was going for, for with the team. It was just all positive things, wanting to build us up not only on the field, but also 
off the field. She gives us so many opportunities to um, contribute to the community as well as help with cer- certain administrative type things, opportunities that many of us wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and she has such a big heart. Her love is so contagious. I think that's what helps fuel the Falcons all the way. Yeah, coaching staff makes a big difference. So is, is this the only coaching staff you've ever had or have you been coached by anywhere else? Yes, I've um, I've played sports all my life, so I've had many different coaches along the way. Um, but yeah, this coaching staff is is phenomenal. They uh, are very disciplined. There's no question on what's expected from us as players, and it it's really great. I I love it. It's we are a quick team, but and we win games, but it doesn't. We still are hitting the grind every practice, even off-season. Like, we're working out, and they keep grinding it into us. You know, we've got to get stronger. You have to be conditioned. And so that we, we know we just got to go to work. Now, Eliza, you've had experienced uh, one one championship loss, but then you've had some good success with the, the other two. Um, what did the loss do to you guys? Uh, what can you tell us about that loss? So I've I've only played on the Falcons for two years, so I I did not get to experience the loss. So it was a different. I, it may have been a different experience for me having that first win, because I ha, I had not yet experienced that loss. So, um, but it was well, a great good. feeling. It was so much fun. Well, that's good for you because a lot of people don't ever experience that often, and you guys, based on your success, hasn't happened for you. That's awesome. Um, let's bring in Holly here. Holly, uh, let's see what we got for Eliza and for Heroku here from you. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, Holly. I, I just need to correct uh, really quick. It's Elisa. Oh. Is it Elisa? I'm sorry. I thought it was Eliza. Oh, oh that's okay. My fault. <laughs> All I remember is the name Salazar on the back of the jersey as I'm chasing her around the field. Uh, you know, back in the back in the day, a few years ago, when we played, when I played against her, um, but uh, no, it's great to, to talk to you guys. You know, I've always um, been a fan of yours. Um, I, it's been really, I've been around the block a little bit, so I've been around long enough to see the development in that state, and what you've done with the program is great. Um, you know, when you think about uh, the sport of women's football, the Falcons have definitely been one of those dual teams that people look to uh, for for leadership. Um, what you're doing is obviously working. And uh, so my question, uh, uh, let's see. I will ask this of either one of you. Uh, what are you most looking forward to this season? Do you want me to take um, that one, Hokie? Or do you want yeah, to start? Go ahead. Uh, for for me this season, I'm very excited because we have a lot of fun things in store. I, we're revamping our website. We're going to do a lot more on Facebook, and we're going to push our Instagram a lot more. Um, we're really wanting to connect with our fans. We're trying to up up our game a little bit here. You know, we want the fans to get to know us as players and as well as us as women outside of the, off of the field. And so I'm, I'm really excited for that. I, just the thought of 
my fans getting to know me better, you know, and know me not only when I'm in the uniform but out of the uniform in my day-to-day life. It's just it's just really exciting to just bridge that gap between us and the fans, and I'm more than excited for that. It's going to be fun. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. I'm excited to watch to see how you guys do this year, especially with uh, San Diego joining. Um, uh, uh, do you guys think that your substitution style helps you? Because I'm fascinated by it. We talked to uh, we talked to Bean when she was on, and she was raving about it. And something that I've always been fascinated the, the couple times that I've seen it uh, in person. Um, it seems to really help with the cohesiveness, and I was just curious to see your guys' thoughts on it. Um, I I think it helps. Um, you know, one of my philosophies and, and Rick's philosophy is everybody pays their fees, so everybody should have an opportunity to get on the field and play. Um, but what that does, it's so much work for my coaches to be able to make sure those rotations are in and everybody gets in and um, it it makes it so if you do get an injured player or at the end of the season when you have somebody that doesn't play the next season, like Bean is, you know, she's she's moving on, um, then you have another player who can step up and, and who's ready to fill that role. And um, I'm just really looking forward to having, you know, to watching Elizabeth Lane as our new quarterback and um, she's just, fun and exciting to watch on the field and I absolutely adore her and um, I think I think you, you know people will be excited to see that there's not much of a drop off because um, because everybody can get into play all the time I think I think that's a really admirable thing that you guys do it like that and it, when I was watching it on the sidelines uh, in person, it seemed to be when they would call the individual uh, color schemes or the, the names of the, the individual teams that were going out, the personnel groupings, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, it seemed like people took pride in being part of those individual groups, which I think is a very different psychological effect than a normal way of substituting, but it seemed to really work because people were buying in and they took pride in being in those groups where on, a, on a, your average football team, the player who might not be the most experienced might not get that opportunity. So they mentally start checking out during the game because they feel like they're not going to get in or if they do, it's not going to be, you know, important reps. And so I think by having that substitution uh, style, it really keeps everybody engaged, which I think is really important, especially because you guys seem to have year after year very large roster sizes. So I think it's really yeah. a great idea that you guys do it that way because it keeps people wanting to come back. And that's that's something important that we need in our sport. Uh, let's see. The other question that I had uh, is, what is your favorite NFL team for both of you? Well, my um, favorite NFL team, I'll, I'll tell you mine, and – I'm kind of in a fight with them this season, so um, <laughs> they're making me pretty upset, but <laughs> it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, I'm sorry. As I as I grind my teeth. <laughs> but 49ers, I mean, 
you guys are having a little bit of a rush. I know. I've, I'm right here with you. <laughs> <laughs> and my at least, at least nobody's on the Bengals rap, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is the Dolphins because I was born the year that they went undefeated, and so that's Aww. kind of my oh. my little thing. Yeah. Now, are you a fan of Cutler or no? Because we've had debates on this show before about Cutler. No, I am not. Oh, thank goodness. We can still well, be cheers, Well, cheers to that. I think everybody just drank a, a round of either alcohol or air. <laughs> oh. That's so cool. Um. <laughs> no, Cutler is um, not my favorite because he just is very apathetic. And, yep. you know, and it's it's difficult as uh, as a player that is very passionate. I think you guys are very passionate as well. When you look across the table and you're like, this guy's been paying millions of dollars to sit there at the podium, but you're like, uh, okay, so I'm just going to walk my dog now. Bye, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but no, I, 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 think, I think it's really, um, it's always really interesting for me to find out what everybody's uh, favorite team is because usually when we grow up, that's your first connection with the sport. Uh, where where did you guys first fall in love with football? Um, for me, my dad, I think he just wanted all boys, and, and he got mostly girls. So he raised us just to watch football, which I was talking with someone the other day. We were raised on BYU football, and I had no idea that the NFL was really a thing or existed because it was just all BYU. And um, when I was in junior high, I rebelled and decided to cheer for the U. And um, <laughs> and then I started learning about the NFL. And there was something outside of Utah. <laughs> no, I kind of have a similar um, path in that actually my first love was, was the Oregon Ducks, because in Oregon we don't have an NFL team either. So college was it. So I, I fell in love with it going to that game, so I totally get it. Okay. Um, I would have to say when I first fell in love with football, watching football was my uncles. They are around 10 years older than me, about right around there. And so growing up I got to watch them play sports and I always looked up to them. And so that's I just loved watching them. I played Football, they played baseball, you know, I got to watch them growing up. It was really cool. And then when so having the opportunity to play like my uncles did, I had to I had to try it out. So I so excited to have the opportunity to play. And I never I mean, Holly, did you ever think that we would have this opportunity? And let alone like not only play on the field but to meet the amazing people that we've met. It's it's just such a cool thing to meet people like from all across the world. Like, we met people from, you know, Europe and all over, and it was really, it's really cool. I really hope that we're able to do more of that and just get to know, you know, all the different players from around the world and hopefully build those relationships because there's a lot of them out there, you know, and so it's really exciting to think about. It it definitely is, and that's one of the things that I absolutely loved is it's basically its own fraternity, 
where you might yeah. meet somebody who's from a different area of the country or a different area of the world even, and you might not know anything about them, but you just know that they play the same thing that you do and you become instant best friends. You might not even speak the same language. You might have to use, right. like, hand signals. And, and like, uh, when I was in Orlando, my uh, Minty was from Russia, and she didn't speak a whole lot of English, so I had to use some Google Translate. <laughs> so, but, nice. you know, it's awesome. <laughs> I love yep. it. Me too. Hey, welcome to my world. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, welcome to my world. Yep. Everybody thought I was crazy when I started this. They were like, what are you doing? You're covering stuff globally? Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> and this is where we're at. It's a big enchilada. Wow. It's like, you know, from Mexico, Guam, Europe, Australia, mm-hmm. Canada, North America, all over. And we even have, I will tell you right now, in the works in the Middle East, in Morocco, there's some passionate wow. people studying a women's league there. And we have Australia, wow. all Europe pretty much. So, um, yeah, people are blown away at the amount of um, women that want to play American football. It's just, just like when they finally get to see – you know, the, the world championships, I think, in Vancouver, very, very opening. Uh, for example, like Mexico coming in for bronze medal, their program has been 11 years in the works. So they've started with, you know, eight on eight, moved to almost 11 on 11, and they finally make it, and they barely almost made it to Vancouver based on logistics and everything else that they, they were encountering at the time. But oh how how awesome it is, you know, when you – when you go to the uh, world championships and you, and you got team Mexico now in the mix, you know, team Canada, team U S yeah. and you got the, uh, the, uh, the great Britain people, um, great Britain uh, club that also started just recently, like maybe less than five years. Um, so, but there is a lot of, uh, amazing women that play this sport internationally that nobody knows about. Um, that's right. why we focus on that. That's why we focus on the fact that, you know, we joke about it, uh, Roku and, and, Elisa here, we joke about it all the time because everybody's like, uh, on Twitter they will tell me, literally some people will direct, direct message me, uh, do you make this up or is this real? And I'll tell Holly, I don't have enough time to make this up. You know what I mean? I don't have a time, the amount of hours to make this up. Um, so I try yeah. to get credible links you know, to either uh, newspapers or some sort of website or anything that obviously gives out a story, uh, a recap of a game or whatever, to make it to make them aware that this is legit. It is happening. You know, there are women playing American football globally. It's not just that. Even in Guam, the small island of Guam, yeah. this year, um, three years running, they've had uh, a tournament there, uh, the Sumbul tournament, and they've uh, invited the Russian girls, a uh, team from Russia, yeah. which is from the Russian League. Yeah. And, and they played in a little, and, and little, gonna... a little island of Guam. Yeah, and I want to give a little shout out to the the Russian Cobras because they're kind of our adopted sister team, and yeah. just, I just got a yeah, place in my heart for them. Yeah, uh, Moscow Sirens out there, the Moscow Cherries, a, a bunch of awesome awesome teams out there as well. Um, so you know what? That's what I'm saying. It's like the awareness uh, finally is clicking in. I think it's it's kicking in finally where uh, the normal is that you know women are playing American football. And Sam, like I talked about earlier, Sam Gordon, you know, with the youth program, even before uh, Sam's program, the Manitoba program was the first that I, know, that I know of internationally that started youth uh, girls football in Manitoba, Canada. 
That is the first uh, wow. youth program. And so Canada was the first one that instituted that. And so um, then obviously Sam started hers, and then we got our, the Georgia girls, now we got the Indiana um, and, and the other states going forward. But, uh, you know, this is just – it's growing so fast. And, you know, Sam putting up the, the World Games for meet and greet, you know, to come out to learn and develop and everything. And then, like, to Holly's yeah. point before, you know, they take away all this knowledge, and now they, now they take it overseas, you know. And we're talking Germany, Austria, uh, Great Britain, uh, uh, Sweden, Finland, all these places. And it's only going to make the girls better, but it's also going to make their squads better. And so overall, it's, it's so, so exciting to see. It is. And, and I just have to say thank you to you because it's, we can only do so much. And it, it takes somebody who starts out as a fan and becomes a, you know, a, a broadcaster and, and for podcast and, and to, to give us that opportunity to talk about our sport and, and to highlight who we are. So thank you for the time that you take to give us this opportunity. No, I, I mean, I love the sport. I love football. We all love football. I think that's really what it drives us. And I, I really, you know, I've gotten to interview uh, amazing people like yourselves, the two of you here today, uh, Louise Bean, legendary quarterback Louise Bean, Lisa Horton, Allie Hamlin. Um, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of amazing women that have played the sport uh, Allison Cahill, uh, as well. Um, so it's just, it's an honor for me to even cover the sport, but now, you know, uh, 11 years later, uh, I, I wanted this program, just like you guys are on this program right now. I wanted to understand people to listen to this and go, this is an NFL quality podcast because we don't want to talk about the stories of how you got here. We want to talk about how we're going forward and how this is going to become normal. And that's really what a yeah. Our goal is on the podcast is to is to you know we don't want to say oh by the God the, the struggles to get here no we want to elevate these players no different than the NFL and obviously minus the wage <laughs> that they earn but we want to elevate <laughs> to the names the faces and obviously the the uh, accomplishments um, to another level and you talked about Hiroki uh, talked about Instagram uh, there's a lot of social sites that you that are able to do that. And actually you make fans aware that obviously we got amazing, talented women at the same level as a LaVon Bell, same level as a Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? There's just nobody yeah. knows about it. Um, we talk about college yeah. football. We talk about high school. I mean, Texas, in Texas alone, I mean, there's high school kids that are like elevated to almost NFL stars in their, in their, in their whole state. So that's really the goal. We want to get everybody to be made aware of, you know, as to who's doing amazing things out there. But overall, who are the legends of this sport? And the transition's here now. Um, you know, Luis has left, and here we got another quarterback coming into the mix um, for next year for your squad. So it's an exciting transition for your team as well. So um, we, uh, Holly kind of mentioned San Diego. So Hiroku, um, San Diego comes into the mix here. Uh, they've proven themselves in the WFA in the short time as well, kind of like your team. So it's going to be a great rivalry. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I, I have known um, Coach Reed since I, since I was playing. And just the, the most respect for, for him, for the search, for Christina. Um, I can't say enough good things about them. And, and to have the opportunity 
to match up against them. I mean, it's it's going to be an amazing game, and um, I, I just love them. They're they're just they're just great all around. And you got to talk about uh, Diego's uh, also a legendary quarterback in this sport. Um, Melissa, I don't know if she's going to come back, but uh, she's also very legendary in the sport. So, uh, you know, it's it's a great matchup, and I think fans are going to be very excited this this coming 2018 to see that. Um, Elisa, are you looking forward to Sandy against San Diego? Oh my gosh, I I have I'm so excited. It's going to be so much fun. You have no idea. They those girls can play. Those girls can play. So we we're going to have to step up our game and be ready to battle, but it's it's going to be fun. And I and I look forward to after the game and getting to know them. It's it's I'm I'm just really excited for the matchup. And the, the the amount of time that the that the teams have spent, it's kind of equal to yours to your organization. So it's kind of fitting to have two uh, top caliber organizations kind of finally meet because we're we're always looking for that clash. You know, Dallas Elite against Utah Falcons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's kind of like the dream matchup that everybody wants to see. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I know Odessa has said no problem. She'll make it happen. Somehow we'll figure it out. So hopefully in the future that will happen. But, you know, overall, uh, you always want to play good competition because it makes the game better. And then obviously the, comp- the, the way the competition is, once it gets to that level, the fans enjoy it more because it's not a blowout. It's it's a more of a, a yeah. one-on-one matchup. It's more uh, it's more of a who's the better uh, team and who's going to come out ahead. Yeah, it, it's true. And and I mean we've got the Wildcats here in Utah. They just started up last year, and and we're more than willing to help teams to grow to our level. And that's that's the whole point of of this game, right? Is is we're we're helping other teams to become big and to be successful. And we want to do that so we have that big competition. We want to make it exciting, and we want to build it for the public and for all the fans. You know, in high school, you get rivalries, right? Like every alma mater, you get your high schools, nearby high schools across town, north north and south. And that's why I told people, it's like, that's how you got to get excited about in the women's game. they got to make it into that intensity, you know what I mean, the intensity of the game. You know, and once it gets to that intensity, fans do come out, and I I think that's where we're at now. We need to get to that level where fans do come out. Um, uh, Heroku, yeah. we always talk about finances, but are we doing any live streaming? You know, live stream any type of streaming online for this next season at all? Like maybe for a San Diego yes. matchup, maybe not every game, but for a San Diego matchup. <laughs> well, we are planning to live stream every single game. Um, we, we've heard enough of fans and, and people online who want to watch us. And so that's been part of our plan, um, to really just showcase our, our ladies and help people become more um, involved with, with wanting to know them personally. And that makes people want to come out to the games, right? That makes people want to cheer for their player, whoever their player is, that they've found some connection with. And and so we've got some really just incredible things lined up to be able to live stream and to engage our fans who can't make it to the game, but to engage them as they're watching the live stream to be part of the action as that live stream is going on. And we have so much stuff now that we can do. You got Facebook Live. Even if you don't do the mainstream, you can always upload it to a YouTube channel. 
So there's just a lot of ways to do it now um, that are not, you know, way over costly. So if you do it yeah. right, uh, a lot of times that happens. Uh, a lot of the international teams do it that way as well, where they hook up. But, you know, internationally, uh, the only benefit there is that some of the men's squads do support the women's squads because the uh, governing bodies require that. And I think that's a shame here in the States because we don't have, you know, the NFL or college football or, you know, any of that, NCAA, for example, supporting the women's game. If we had that level of support, you know, like by a nearby college or something like that, just to get a broadcast up there, people would be, you know, we'd open their eyes basically to all the fans. They get Their eyes would be open to um, women's tackle football and, but unfortunately, we don't have that here in, the, in, in North America. I don't know why that happens, but that's the way it is. Uh, internationally, you do have that support, even in Europe and Australia and, and everywhere else. So it's kind of a shame that we don't have that, but uh, it is what it is, as they say. We, we, we actually do. Um, we, we've got a really great relationship with BYU. They've, they've taken a liking to us. And um, I'm hoping that one day we can play in their field. But... Um, We've been getting some some growing support from BYU football, so I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens in in a year or two with that. I'm, I'm you know what? I would be totally excited to hear that because that's really what needs to go. Uh, because like I said, internationally, um, most of the men's clubs internationally sort of support a women's uh, a program, and internationally it's done differently. I think in a lot of ways they they usually put uh, the men's club and then they put a junior club, which is the lower boys squads, and then they put a women's uh, full kit leagues on support. And that happens in Europe and Australia and all those places. But, you know, hopefully if that's the case, that will be such a great, great, great thing. Thank you. All right. Um, Elisa, um, tell us a little bit about 2007, uh, 2017, the last uh, this past season, and obviously the championship at the end. What did you how, – how did that all uh, go about for you? It, excuse me. It it was it was an amazing experience, um, especially at being at home and and that crowd. It there were so many people. It was so much fun just to play in front of that crowd. We had so much support. Um, as Hiroko said, Governor Herbert was there watching us. You know, it, it's just it was just so great. And I felt it turning around looking, but seeing the other players on the team just just playing in front of that many people, even even the other teams, even the other games, because it was a whole weekend, right? So there's a few games going on. And it, it was that's what I love, because it just shows that we're moving forward, that we are making progress, and that if we just keep keep working the same direction, that it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get there, you guys. We just have to keep keep on moving and work together. No, it's bound to get there. Um, good, good squads are always going to make it happen, and owners, uh, the good owners, you know, are always going to find ways to make it happen. And um, you know, we're, we're in 2017 now, almost 2018. Uh, social media helps a lot in a lot of formats that yeah. we didn't have before, and so uh, just a matter of kind of diving into that and and making sure that we strive for that. Um, you know, and and a lot of the players, fans will dive into. Um, we have players. Like I said, they're amazing players on both sides of the ball. Uh, a lot of the defensive yep. players get neglected a lot uh, because, you know, it's not your flashy scoring and, and all that other stuff, but um, they're key, you know. They're very, very key. Um, you know, Julia Olsen out of Sweden 
one of the top uh, defensive players in the world, um, and she plays on a men's squad also in uh, in um, over in Sweden. So, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of players that we don't know about yet. Uh, a lot of stories to tell also as well from amazing athletes as well. Um, uh, girls, I want to just let you guys know uh, if you guys need uh, any support, we're here for you guys. If you guys want to come on the podcast, you know, showcase the tryouts, any of that stuff, uh, you guys can hit me up, and uh, we will try to make it happen, share on our social sites and everything else. But uh, uh, Heroku and Elisa, you guys run an amazing organization. It is uh, a team that people – are keep an eye on, uh, and you guys. Ever since you guys hit the IWFL, it has been a blaze. As Troy Wilson would say, you guys are like just left everybody in the dust, and so uh, <laughs> it's kind of exciting in that way, uh, from top to bottom. The coaching staff, the organization, uh, the caliber of athletes, the devotion and dedication. Um, you can't say enough. It's just you guys have done a, an amazing job. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Holly, you got anything else before we uh, let uh, Roku and Elisa here go? <laughs> no, I mean, it was great uh, talking to you guys again. and I uh, wish you guys the best of luck this season. And, you know, I'm always a fan up here, you know, as much <laughs> as I can be without, without you know, uh, turning myself in on my own team. I'm always going to be a fan <laughs> of <you. laughs> Thanks, well, Thank you, Holly. That means a lot. You're, you're a great athlete, and, and I've I've loved um, watching you. I um I just I I remember watching you as um as a player um, when I was on the Jinx. So um, it's just exciting. Mm-hmm. It's it's neat to be able to have these relationships to know these names for you know, several years um, of women playing. I think it's a phenomenal thing. And Definitely. a lot of the women are going to go so, to coaching now, so it's kind of like Holly's route now. Yeah. Yep. Hey, what'd you say? Cool. I say eventually you're gonna go into coaching. It's kind of your next route. Uh, eventually, um, I got a couple more years in me, but eventually I'll also <laughs> be on that side. <laughs> <laughs> no broken leg here is gonna take her away from the game. Can you believe that? She just came back. <laughs> she's not. She's not done yet. That's what she's saying. <laughs> no, I'm gonna like be like game five on the field <laughs> with a walker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I named her Captain uh, Captain Crutches, but uh, she didn't want to stick with that name. Oh my so God. She's back to <laughs> She was Captain America, and I was like, I'll just throw Captain Captain Crutches on there while she's on Crutches. So. But uh, no, she, she's awesome. Um, Hiroko, you guys have any tryouts that uh, we should uh, let the fans? Uh, uh, know about and whoever's in the state that is nearby you guys uh, can try, try out for the Falcons? You know, we've got some camps coming up. So if they just watch our Facebook page, because that's where we put all of our announcements and, um, and on our website. So our Facebook page and announcements, just keep an eye on that and um, they'll know when our next clinics and camps are. Uh, what's this, uh, the website so everybody can dive into that as well? The website is utahfalcons.com. That's falcons with a Z. Utahfalcons.com. All right, guys. Um, yep. Heroku, thanks again for making the time. And uh, Elisa, thank you again for uh, coming on. And um, hopefully you have an outstanding 2018. All We're all looking forward to 
uh, Utah-San Diego matchup. It's just kind of like anticipation right now. But we're all looking forward <laughs> to that matchup. That game is kind of like the, the biggest game on the map, I think, uh, overall when that announcement <laughs> came in and that San Diego was going over. We're all looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. It's just, just, just you, you don't want to miss that. You know what I mean? It's like anticipation right there. Yeah. <laughs> yep, we're excited. We're excited as well. All right. So, ladies, have a safe travel back home if you're driving. Otherwise, um, thanks for making the time. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to another chat in the future, and especially in 2018 when uh, uh, the Utah Falcons take on San Diego. We'll look forward to that and see if we can chime in then and figure out what happened and who came out on top and all that good stuff. Awesome. Thank you, Oscar. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great uh, evening, you guys, uh, and we'll catch you another time. And safe travels again. All right, Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, Holly, there you go. Utah, uh, cream of the crop, New England Patriots style. That's really what it boils down to right now in the IWFL. But what what an exciting matchup. I mean, that's I, I think you, that's one we have to circle, right, pretty much. That's the one everybody Definitely. wants to look at in, in the IWFL, basically. Definitely. I think um, I think you're right, especially in that league. They haven't had uh, a lot going on, especially on the, on the west side of the country in that league for a while, besides Utah. And now that it's, uh, San Diego is over there, um, it's going to be a huge matchup because they've been talking about playing each other for a long time. So it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Now, Ollie, um, the anticipation. Just the the fact that you got two good organizations, I think that's really where everybody's kind of like anticipating. Yeah, Melissa, if Melissa comes back, Melissa Gallegos, and now you're taking on uh, Louise Bean's protege, and we'll see if the offense drops off in any sense, as Soroka was saying. It shouldn't be a drop-off. But just, just that information alone would make you want to like, yeah, we we got to watch this game, you know what I mean, to see how, how it turns out. Definitely. <laughs> and... Um... You know, I, I think I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup from across the board, not only at quarterback but on both sides of the ball. There's there's talent all over the place on those teams. Both of the teams are very well coached, and um, I think it would be a very it'd be one of those games that you're watching to see what the adjustments by the coaches are being made because I think it's a very both sides of the both sides of the fence in that game have smart minds, and I'd be interested to see how they they counter each other back and forth throughout the game. Yeah, and, and that's going to be exciting. The WFA is also going to be very exciting because there's just a lot of changes happening, new teams added on there, um, new new structure. The tier system has worked so well in the last two years that I think they should, you know, maintain that as much as possible. So, um you know, it's, it's going to be a pretty exciting season coming up this uh, 2018. Um, Holly Troy's not here because of the, uh, you know, what he was doing. But uh, college football, let's dive into that. Uh, and before we do that, um, what's the top three NFL matchups that we got to look forward here in this next week? Let's see. I'm going to go. The first one is going to be the Raiders at the Bills. Um, I think these teams are very interesting teams of them are trying to get their their footing uh, in the door for the playoff race. 
the Bills have been a huge surprise. Nobody saw them being very good this year, and they've actually played pretty well. The Raiders started off very strong and then dropped off, but then now they're they're starting to get the, their momentum back. So that's going to be a key piece to see uh, which direction those two teams are going. Um, so it's the first one. The second game called is the Texans at the Seahawks. Um, these are all, both playoff contending teams. The Texans have been kind of up and down, but they still have a lot of talent all over the place. The Seahawks, you know, are, are definitely the best team in uh, in their division, um, and they have talent all over the place, but they still have some issues. So if the Seahawks want to make a player run, they have to start figuring out uh, their running game, um, and they, they can't have Russell Wilson trying to do everything. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how the, the Texans' defensive line matches up against Russell Wilson running all over the place. Uh, so it's going to be <clears throat> game number two. Game number three, I'm going to pick the Cowboys at the Redskins. Uh, right now the Eagles are running away with that division, but these two teams are, are tied for second in that division and would likely at this point be fighting for wild card spots. Uh, you know, the Redskins, I think, you know, they may have expended a lot of energy in their loss against the Eagles, and so I can definitely see them coming up flat against the Cowboys at home. Um, and the Cowboys seem to have a lot of momentum from their win against my Niners. Um, but uh, we'll see how that goes. But I'm leaning towards the Cowboys on that one. But those are my top three. Yeah, and there's a lot of three and three teams right now that really need a win. I mean, uh, if the Jets somehow pull off this victory against Atlanta, that puts Atlanta in a very rough spot. Um, you got the Texans, as you mentioned, the Texans in Seattle. Uh, Monday night is also very crucial. We'll see how uh, Kansas City responds against the Broncos. That's one of the big matchups on Monday night. And then on Thursday night, uh, the you know the Cutlerless Dolphins, which played way better than when Cutler was playing. Uh, they're taking on the Lonely Ravens. We'll see how the Ravens, you know, if they rebound or what uh, at this point. So that's the matchup there. I am looking forward to uh, the big matchup, which is uh, the Cowboys-Redskins as well. I think that's going to be the big one right there, an NFC uh, NFC East uh, <laughs> matchup. And that'll that'll pretty much separate one team or the other because uh, Philadelphia pretty much owns the division right now in terms of standings. So it's a crucial matchup right there between those two squads. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. I mean, whoever wins that game has an inside track for that wild card spot, especially, you know, considering um, uh, the fact that they're in the same division. You know, with the NFL being so competitive and there's a lot of parity year to year usually, at this point, when you're in that 500 mark and it's about halfway through the season, the teams that separate themselves in the, in the next couple of weeks are the teams that um, are going to really put themselves in great position to finish out the season and make a playoff run. So the next couple of weeks are going to be very important. All right, Holly, um, before we move on, are the Chargers for real here? They They go with the three – Three win winning streak here, but uh, are, should we say yes? They're they're back, or what do you think of the Chargers right now with Philip Rivers? Well, I definitely think they're heading in the right direction. 
But I think, honestly, the bigger question is not if they're back, but if anybody in L.A. cares. Because I don't know if you saw the stands, but... I know, I don't care. (laughs) Nobody cares. And I think think it's... um, it's kind of it's kind of sad. It, it you know that fan base may redevelop in that area eventually, but I think the NFL kind of did a huge disservice to that fan base in San Diego, definitely. And I think they misjudged the, the support in LA for that team. I think the you know the Raiders would have been a better fit in LA than Vegas, um, but that's just me. Uh, but I think they're playing better, but, again, it's the Chargers. And so I, I, they they would have to do it for a longer period of time for me to really buy into them yet. Yeah, I agree with you with that. I just They should have just stayed in San Diego. There's no reason why they moved north. And at this point, they're going to have the, the Giants' dead set up, which they have in the Meadowlands, and I don't know how well that will be. Um, before we move on here, uh, I want to get your take on Minnesota in the mix or not in the mix because Case Keenum has played really well against Minnesota, and they're moving up. And ever since uh, uh, Rodgers went down here with uh, Green, uh, Green Bay, Chicago's somewhat up in an upswing right now, surprisingly. But overall, is this the team in that division to kind of make something happen? I I think so. I think Rodgers going down completely – opened the door for not only that division, but the NFC, really, because before he went down, I would have have said that the um, Packers were definitely marking their way towards an uh, NFC championship game, at least, um, if not in a Super Bowl run. Um, And then without Rodgers, though, they're they're definitely struggling – I don't think uh, Hundley is really the answer for them. I mean, he's serviceable, but he's definitely not Aaron Rodgers. He's not that guy who's going to lead you um, back like Rodgers does in the final seconds of the game. Um, and so, Holly, are you are you as uh, are you as disturbed as McCarthy by ans- by asking him if he's going to call Kaepernick to come in to help <laughs> out in Green Bay? I, I, I mean, <laughs> me, so, me and Troy were laughing you last week. <laughs> You would think that somebody would eventually call Kaepernick, but I don't actually know what happens now that he is bringing up the, the lawsuit. I don't know, like, if that I, – I You think nobody will touch legal, him now? Yeah, I, I don't know the legal standpoint on the NFL side, like if now that there's a lawsuit pending, if there's some sort of, if some sort of weird thing against it or not. But even if there wasn't, I mean, now they're just like, oh, they're going to use that as leverage to be like, oh, no, we're, we can't do it now. You have a lawsuit against us. And um, so I think Kaepernick's doing what he needs to do, and I think it's the right move for him. And I really wish that somebody along the line had figured out that maybe he's a better pickup than, than, than Brandon Whedon or, like, these people, the garbage guy on the street that they're picking up. Um, you know, I think the Vikings, on the other hand, because the Packers are, are on their way down, I think they're that team that, that will slide into that spot, maybe not necessarily for Super Bowl run, but they're, they're sliding into that spot for that division. Um, I think Keenum has played very well. I think he might even play um, – uh, I think he might even play 
you know, better than Bradford if he came back. So I think I think the Vikings are definitely a team to watch out for. All right, before we move on from NFL, since Troy is in here, um, Redskins, still a good team, right? You still consider them a good team? I do. I do think they're a good team. I think they have talent. I think I think Kirk, when he's on – is is a good quarterback, and he's just he's he just needs to get a bit more consistent because sometimes we'll just throw duds out there. And um, I think they need some more depth in some on some spots, but their their defensive uh, line is very strong, and they they definitely have some talent. I don't think they're far off. So if they don't make a run this year, I think they're they're just a couple pieces away. And the three losses, as Troy mentioned last week, the three losses were against to Philadelphia, which is in their own division, and one to right. Kansas City. So I, I, I'd say they're a good team because if you get beat by Kansas City and twice by Philadelphia, um, and you get beat, they didn't get beat by more than, what, 10 points or something like that. So uh, they're, they're really good. But they're banged up also, as Troy had mentioned last week. Uh, they're basically banged up, so a bye week for them would be a blessing right now at this point. But I don't know when their bye week comes up, but that would be a blessing for them to kind of recover from that. All right, so let's go move on here. Uh, let's move on to your passion, which is uh, college football, and let's move on to that. Um, I don't know, uh, UCLA. Do you want to talk UCLA? No, we don't. Okay. Nobody cares. About UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> I know that, and everybody knows that. Anyways, um, uh, Clemson, uh, Kelly Bryant, good offense here. So uh, against Louisville, um, what do you say Clemson here at this point? Uh, Ranked number one in certain polls. We usually go by the AP poll, but I don't know if that's reality now. Do we not? Do we bring down Alabama to two now? Uh, so I think they have Clemson at. Seven? Is that correct? Seven I, was at, I was looking at a couple of polls, um, and so a lot of them put Clemson up, up forward. So AP has them at what now? I think seven. I'm going to pull it up again. Let's pull Five. it up because Five. I had a poll in there where we had it to where they were almost two and then one, and then they dropped off because of that loss. Remember? Yeah, they were close. They, they yeah. were close to, to overcoming – um, they're close to overcoming Alabama, but then they had their loss, and then they dropped, and now they're moving their way yeah. back up. Okay, so I just pulled it up. They're currently at seven right now. They dropped oh, they their loss. Okay. They dropped down of the top ten, and now they're working their way back up. Um, there it is. I, I think, saw it. Oh, okay, yeah. I think that Clemson is still a very, very good defensive team. The defensive front is great. I think that their loss really obviously, you know, took them off the inside track for the playoffs. Um, but in order to get back into that race, um, you know, especially because the first committee, playoff committee ranking system comes out, I believe, on Halloween, so basically after this weekend. So they have to, in order to impress that group, they have to go on a dominant run the rest of their uh, the rest of their season to really make themselves look good for that committee. Um, they play Georgia Tech at home this week, 
And Georgia Tech is actually solid. They're I think they're four and two. And I think this could be a trap game for Clemson if they're not paying attention. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why they, they lost that game is because you basically have a group of kids who won a national championship last year. Then you have them come back in, and they're just dominant this year, and everybody is hyping them up. And when you're 18, 19 years old, it can be very hard to keep that group's attention game to game and get them to continue to focus. And I think Syracuse just bit them. And so hopefully they learn from that lesson. They don't let um, their focus wane against Georgia Tech, and they're able to uh, get this win and continue to roll for the rest of the season. I still think they're really good, though. So we'll see how they do. What do you say uh, about Penn State right now? Still holding up at number two. Um, so they, they really bumped up in the in the rankings the last couple weeks. So what do we say Penn State here? I think Penn State – Honestly, is they basically are in control of their own destiny at this point. They have an inside playoff track. They play at Ohio State this week. That's a huge, huge game. It'll it'll definitely be for basically the inside track on the on not only the conference but who has that playoff track. And Ohio State lost early. They've been steadily climbing back up, but they haven't really played anybody since that loss. And so this will be a big game for Ohio State because if Ohio State can can uh, upset Penn State and they would end if they hypothetically ended the season with one loss and that and but they have beating Penn State on their resume, then Ohio State would probably have a really good shot of getting into the playoffs. But Penn State right now is playing very well, and honestly, Barkley it's his Heisman to lose. And at this point, there's a couple other players playing really well, but honestly, Barkley is the most well-factor guy. And if he plays really well in this game, this could be his Heisman moment game, where usually with Heisman winners, you can look back on one or two moments in that season and be like, yeah, that was their Heisman moment. This is his opportunity on the big stage, on the national stage, to, to make a statement. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Penn State is playing very well. Uh, what do we say about Georgia at this point? Do do we keep them where we're at? Uh, are they going to drop off? What's your What do you think of Georgia right now? Georgia's kind of under the radar a little bit, but they're definitely a good team. <clears throat> they play at uh, Florida this week, and Florida's not – they're not bad either. And so it's a solid SEC matchup. Um, and I think Georgia is very strong. Um, they're – they might not have the wow factor that some of these other teams like Penn State might have, but they, they just are top to bottom a strong physical team. And freshman quarterback problem is playing actually very well in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the spotlight that he's been in in this situation. So I think Georgia, if they take care of business, they have, a, they have an inside track to the playoffs as well. All right. So And then we also get – some uh, Wisconsin kind of under the radar. They're seven and zero. They're taking on Illinois, which should be a win, hopefully. Um, then we got Stanford twenty taking on Oregon State, and you also have Washington State against Arizona. So let's talk about Washington State. The one loss. Uh, they're taking on Arizona five and two. Where do you see them at this point? <clears throat> I think uh, Washington State basically. 
the road for the Pac-12 championship runs through the state of Washington. The Apple Cup at the end of the year between Washington and Washington State will really decide who not only is going into the Pac-12 championship, but most likely would win the Pac-12 championship and would have an inside track um, to try to get into the playoffs as long as neither of the trips up between now and then. Um, I think Arizona is not very good, and I think Washington State um, should win that game. I think they're they're solid. Um, and their defensive front has really improved from last year. Um, I can't remember their nose tackle's name, but that guy is very disruptive. When they played Oregon, he created havoc in the backfield. And, um, and so they've gotten better on the defensive side of the ball, which really helps. Um, but, yeah, they should roll against Arizona. All right, so what's the top three uh, games that we should be looking at this this week um, that all the fans should be diving into? All right, well, I think we talked about a couple of them already. Obviously, the Penn State-Ohio State game is huge for multiple reasons um, that I uh, previously mentioned. The second one, I would say, is probably – um, uh, NC State, who's ranked number 14 at number 9 Notre Dame. Um, so as much as I absolutely cannot stand attention that Notre Dame gets, they did a- absolutely destroy USC last week, which I actually think is more of uh, an indicator about USC than Notre Dame. But at the same time, uh, Notre Dame, if you look at their schedule, they have uh, – I think two or three remaining games against top 25 teams. So if Notre Dame is able to win those games, then it looks very good to the committee. Um, I think NC State is a team that kind of came out of nowhere. And so if you combine the story for those two teams, it, you know, it's kind of a, a story of two teams that, that came out of nowhere and nobody really expected them to do much this year. So it'll be fun to watch to see how they really develop. Um, the third game I'm going to pick is USC at Arizona State. So as a Pac-12 fan, um, USC got destroyed against Notre Dame. I think it has more to do with USC than Notre Dame. I think USC, their defense, which is not very good, uh, they got ran all over the place on. But Arizona State is up and coming. Everybody thought Arizona State was going to be horrible this year, and they've actually really improved. You know, they beat Oregon, and they've they played really well at home because I think a lot of those are telling us young, so typically teams like that play well at home. And this is at Arizona State. And USC is now feeling, you know, not very good about themselves, about being blown out by Notre Dame. Now they have to go on the road at Arizona State. And every time you play there, it's always a night game, usually 7 or 7.30 kickoff. And so I would not be surprised if Arizona State jumps up and beats USC. So that's my third game. So pretty exciting games. And then uh, Stanford, uh, Oregon State on Thursday is what's on the schedule first on ESPN. Then Friday you got, uh, you know, pretty much Tulane taking on Memphis on ranked teams there. Saturday, the whole slate is on Saturday pretty much. And uh, as you mentioned already, USC – Late night on ESPN against Arizona State. We got the uh, Ohio State. Just take it on um, Penn State. And so Notre Dame at this point, sort of out of uh, non-ranked independent type 
squad. Uh, do you see them moving up in the rankings even further now? Yeah, I mean, if they're able to beat NC State, yes. I think as much as it annoys me, I think yes. And um, I think if you look at the rest of the schedule, because basically when it comes time, because, okay, so during the season from, like, week one to about this time, the ranking systems, most people go by the AP, and then a chunk of people go by the, the college, the the coaches' poll. Um, but really those are just placeholder polls until the committee poll comes out because the committee poll is really what the poll system is based on as far as who's getting into the college football playoff. And so now's where it starts getting very interesting because in the AP poll you might be ranked X, but the committee might look at you and you're actually Y. And so there's always a big change after the committee makes their first announcement. And usually the committee, because they're human beings, they look at each individual team as having basically a resume. So when they're looking at your resume, they want to see, okay, number one, your record, but number two, who, where are your big wins and who are they against? And if you lost, who did you lose against and were they ranked and how was that, how was that on the team? So if you lose against a team that's not very great, it doesn't look very good for you on your resume for the committee. But if you're able to get these key wins against big teams, it goes a long way with them. So if Notre Dame is able to get a win against the number 14 ranked team and get another a couple wins against the top 25 teams and you look at their whole resume, quote-unquote, together, then it makes them look more appealing to the, the committee. And so um, – as much as I despise Notre Dame, yeah, if they could easily start to creep up into the to the ranking. Sounds to me like you gotta like impress her. It's like homecoming queen or something. You gotta like go around and kind of like make everybody happy or something. But uh, I guess that's the way it works. You kind of do. You kind of do. You you really wow. really do. And and it's in um in you know, like it's one of things that. What did you say? <laughs> It's like bribery. <laughs> you got to bribe stuff. I think we're good. Kind of in a way. In a way, I guess. Trying to bribe somebody. In a way, but if you if you lose it to a team that's really good and it's a close loss, yeah. it, it looks better to them than if you lost to a team that came out of nowhere and or you got blown out by somebody you should lose to. So, um, and then usually what happens at the end of the year it's rare that you have four teams left that are undefeated. Usually you'll have like one, maybe two teams, maybe three at the most random years. Most of the time you have a whole lot. You may have like two undefeated teams and like five teams that have one loss. And then you have to decide from those five teams with one loss which two of those teams really deserves to be in the playoffs. And then it, so then you have to like, it gets very analytical after that. So it's like I love it and I hate it at the same time. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying it's kind of like, I wouldn't say political, but it is, you've got to like, you know, make a, make a, a statement for your, your wins. And then also you got to like hope that like people take into account some of those close games as, as you're mentioning to give you like a little boost uh, in terms of get you to a spot. So um, do we leave Alabama alone at this point and we ride it out to the end of the season? Cause I mean, really is they're just waiting for, to get slotted really pretty much at this point, right? 
Kind of. I mean, but with your Alabama, you have the cachet behind you to really do that. And so I'm pulling up their schedule so far this year, and they've, they've just have really done what they are supposed to do. And that's what number one teams are supposed to do. I mean, so the thing with Alabama is, okay, so you might play a team like a Tennessee like they did last week. And Tennessee is actually not bad, but they're not great either. They're kind of mediocre. And they did what they were supposed to do. They won 45-7. to And previously, they, they beat Arkansas 41-9. It's a solid win. And um, they haven't played a really competitive schedule. They did play Florida State the first game, and they won that one decidedly. And they do play LSU uh, next week and they play Auburn the last week, and then they'll play in the SEC championship game after that. So they have a, a couple more games coming up that uh, they could lose in theoretically. But until that happens, I mean, they're just they're just they're very easy to to bet on, if that makes sense. So until right, they, so until something happens, you should leave them there basically. So Holly, the, the Heisman Trophy odds at this point. Is Shaquan Barkley um, should be a twenty to one. So current odds are four to seven. You got Bryce Love out of Stanford, uh, Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma, J.T. Barrett out of Ohio State, Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State, Lamar Jackson, Louisville. You got Josh Adams out of Notre Dame, and of course Jalen Hurts out of Alabama. You know, if you had to roll the dice right now, who 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 are you uh, putting up front here? For Heisman, Barkley hands down. Uh, he not only has he not only has the numbers, but when you're talking about Heisman voting, it, it's a it's a culmination of not only numbers but the hype, and he has both going on. He has the wow factor that voters really seem to fall in love with, and because of that. I, I think it's his to lose at this point. And then the other thing that's really in his favor is he's not only good running the ball, he's really good out of the backfield receiving the ball. And so anybody that's like a dual threat person at that kind of level, it just means that you're you're wowing the, the voters and you have more opportunities to wow the voters because you have the ball more in your hand. And he's made big plays. He's made – um, he's the guy that makes uh, the explosion plays, and so it's fun to watch. And and he's always in the highlight reels; they're all over the place. And um, and because of that, I think it's his to to lose at this point. Um, so I'm pulling up his stats. If my computer will cooperate. Okay. So right now. He has 117 carries for 757 yards and eight touchdowns rushing. And then he has another 32 receptions for 448 yards and three touchdowns receiving. So basically he has 1,200 all-purpose yards and uh, and 11 touchdowns halfway through the season. That's solid, solid numbers. And another thing for the Heisman race is you have to be playing on a team that's competitive. You can't be awesome and on a team that's, you know, 0-12. His team is in the spotlight right now because Penn State is number two and they're playing really well. 
So for him, especially with this Ohio State team coming up this week, I think it's his race to lose. I think there's a good talent. I think um, Mayfield is, is, a, is a good quarterback. I think Love is a really good running back, um, but he's kind of under the radar. And um, But, yeah, I, I put my money on Barkley. And he's got, like, over 200 per, all-purpose yards and I think over 260-something um, kick return yards. So it's very impressive yeah, so, on both sides so of the ball. So basically if you had the kick return and you're talking about 1,400, 1,500 um, yeah, yeah. yards halfway through the season, that's a lot. Well, Jackson would be considered in the conversation at this point, but uh, you'd still put Barkley forward, right? I put Barkley forward. I don't think Jack. I think Jackson's fallen off because Louisville's fallen off, and I think because he's already won it too. I definitely think it's human nature for the voters not to want to vote the same guy twice. And in for in order for him to win it twice, he has to completely blow everybody out of the water. And I think he's still a good player. I just think he doesn't have the hype right now needed to put him over the top of, of Barkley and even a couple other players. So do we uh, – we're, we're playing – he's playing J.T. Barrett uh, this week. So it's Barkley versus Barrett. So do we put Barrett right there in that conversation again? I mean, he's he's had three Big Ten games, uh, wins about 48, 48 to 7 um, by week uh, for Saturday against Penn State. But uh, is Barrett even on that same Barkley level? Not at the moment. However, if he comes out, if Ohio State comes out and just absolutely blows out Penn State, and then he has he has tons of great plays and he just he's amazing, then he can put himself back in the conversation. But right now, I don't think he's actually in the conversation. Really, I I think this could be an opportunity for him to get back in that conversation. But he played so poorly early that I think it kind of took away his hype in the early part of the season. So we'll see what he does on Saturday. But in order for him to get back up there, he has to play great. All right, Ali. So do we take Mayfield out of the conversation at this point? He still leads uh, the nation in passing. Uh, but I think Mayfield, you know. I think he's actually the number two guy in my opinion right now. I think Oklahoma is a really good team. I think they're a little bit more under the radar, but they're a dark horse team for the playoffs. And as we go down the stretch, there's going to be um, opportunity for Mayfield uh, to be on that big stage because a lot of the Heisman really is about who plays well on the big stage. And, And so Mayfield, everybody knows he's a really good player, and it's more about opportunities in front of the the right amount of eyes, basically eyeballs. The more eyeballs you have on you and the better you do in that situation, the more hype you have and the more people are paying attention. It's like a whole cycle. And so he the, he has a big opportunity in a couple of weeks when they play Oklahoma State because both those teams are fighting for the Big 12, and either one of those teams could – be a dark horse in the playoff race. And then a couple of weeks later, they play TCU, which is already in the playoff conversation. And then they play West Virginia at the end. So Oklahoma, their meat of their schedule is actually coming up. So Mayfield, I think, is really the guy that could overtake Barkley 
because he's going to have big stage games coming up. So we'll, we'll see what he does with them. All right. So I'll give you a head, uh, shout out to you. Uh, a lot of listener feedback. Love your insights as well on college football. Troy does. So, uh, you know, attaboys for, to both of you guys. Well, um, got a feedback that people are listening to that just for the college football itself. So um, great job, you guys. Just fantastic. Uh, week to week, you guys oh, are like thanks. 10 it on right on. Thank you. It's something, you know, like I talked about before, I fell in love with football because of college football. And, uh, and I, I do love the NFL, too, but there's a soft spot that I have for college football, and uh, so it's fun for me. Yeah, it's, it's a passion, and I'm, I've been getting into it lately, and that's, you know, not before I was not into it, but now it's sort of like it, the bug hits you, you know? And so I'm not divorced yet or anything like that. I'm still still hooked up, but we'll, we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, will help if, um, uh, if your team, if your team, you know, turns the corner. That will help. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the corner is moving because it doesn't seem like we're we're even near the corner. You know what I mean? Just not good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, go UCLA. Go Bruins. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's why I'm on the Rams bandwagon so far. You know what I mean? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, the other LA team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Holly, let's talk women's good down here. We got uh, a lot of stuff happening in the in the international scene. Mexico just kicked off. FX Mexico just kicked off week two. Uh, week one last week. Week two this week. Big games coming up this week. We'll keep you updated on our Twitter feed as well as our Facebook page. And I want to announce a big announcement. So this is huge for FX Mexico. Uh, one of the clubs in FX Mexico, Echel um, Rosa, the uh, president of FX Mexico, announced that one of the clubs in Mexico, the Panteras, um, have a all-female coaching staff this season. So all-female coaching staff. And so huge announcement that was made, on, um, and we shared it out on our Facebook page as well. So Holly, that's huge. One club in the league, all-female coaching staff. That is that is actually, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's actually a huge deal because, um, you know, not only is it helping the female ranks on the coaching side, but tells you how much their league has grown, that you're getting to the point that you're getting female coaches. And it tells you that the interest on the female side is is growing enough that people want to stay around. I don't know where these coaches are coming from, whether they're female players or not, but if they are, that tells you they love it enough that when they're finished playing, they want to help on the coaching side. And, you know, uh, I think that's actually really, really big for them. So congratulations to them. And it's big news for them because they are the WFA of Mexico. I mean, besides Lexfa, you know, Lexfa and FX Mexico – really can, you can consider them, you know, at the same level of, of WFA and IWFL in, in the States. So it's a huge, huge accomplishment for them to, to put a squad into, you know, we'll see how they do in the season. It's week two. We'll see how well the female staffing, you know, of, of the club does in terms of, of the club itself. But, you know, as a um, announcement 
and a, a moment, a historical moment for them, basically, to have an all-female squad run a club. So that's huge. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, it, again, it really speaks to the growth of the league um, that you're getting to the point where you have not only females coaching, but also to the point where you have enough that you're covering your whole staff. And I, I really have to all at the end of the day, a coach is a coach. As long as they have the knowledge and they can and they can help you, it doesn't really matter if they're male or female. But I think it, the bigger point is you have enough females interested in coaching that your your sport's developing. I think that's the key piece. You know, Echelle, congratulations to her and all the all the work that she's put in. Um, journeyman as well in the sport. She's played to that. She she made made this brand. Um, I think 85%, if I'm, if I'm correct, 85 to 90% of the national team on the Mexican Federation national team came from FX Mexico. So how much, how, how proud can she be? She she put up the squad, her league, her her teams, her clubs, and then you go to Vancouver and you win bronze. I mean, just what what an what what an accomplishment, you know what I mean, for her to put up a brand from yeah. the ground up and then to send a team to the world finals, uh, world championships, and then they win bronze. It's huge. No, I mean, it definitely speaks. I mean, okay, so, like, if you are, you know, you build a team and you build a league and you've been working at it for years and years and years, it's kind of like like a lot of people that are business people and they start their own business, and it's like kind of an extension of you. It becomes kind mm-hmm. of like your, your child almost. And to watch it develop to that point where you have, your players going out and doing things on an international stage, it, I'm sure she's proud. And and, it, and I hope that uh, it encourages her and, her and the rest of that group to continue to do what they're doing because it's working. And they have uh, tier systems, just like the WFA has tier one, tier two, tier three. FX Mexico now has four tier systems, division one, division two, division three, and division four. Division four and Division three are basically beginner, so what you would consider in the WFA, uh, the Orlando's and the uh, Arkansas Wildcats type type mentality, which is basically the lower uh, roster clubs, still a feeder development system. Then you have Division two, um, which is basically, you know, WFA two or Tier two, and you got some clubs there. And then you get bumped in this league. The way she set it up is if you earn the championship in Division Two, and you maintain your roster, you know, consistently for that season, and the coaches get analyzed at the end of the year and the roster gets analyzed at the end of the year, once there's confirmed that you have a, an amount of roster number, then you're able to get bumped to Division One, And then and the last place team in Division One who finished last then gets regulated back to Division Two. So it's kind of a reward in a way. Right, and I think that's a really good way to do it, especially if if you're, uh, you know, developing a league because it keeps teams honest. I mean, and then that way you have a team that's playing well that earns the right to move on because uh, sometimes, you know, you don't want a team that's, like, just killing everybody in a certain division that really should be in a higher division. So that that rewards them and also keeps that uh, uh, division that they were in competitive and I think it's a smart way to play it. So um, I think, you know, well done in their part. 
Yeah, she's built up that program, and I think the way she structured it is is uh, really good for development and also very good for competitive play job there in Mexico. So week one, week two, we'll keep you updated on our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. So let's go down to uh, week nine, Gray Iron Queensland up in uh, Queensland. There was a couple games that were canceled. One was due to weather, and that was the uh, Stingrays taking on the Thunder, and that was a draw because of the fact that there was weather uh, situations there. So they, the league decided to cancel it, um, you know, for the well-being of the players and all that. And then uh, the Rhinos taking on the Spartans. The game was played three quarters into the game. It was called also, uh, and it was a, considered a forfeit uh, because the Spartans players, I guess, there were enough players to continue the game. Originally it was 36-6, to six, but based on league rules, they made it a 42-0 to zero, a win for the Rhinos. Then uh, the Ravens, the first-place Ravens, taking on the Jets, Logan City Jets, 20-0. to zero. So the standings right now really are Ravens and Rays uh, in the front runner for the playoffs, uh, probably a rematch, you know, a match for the finals uh, for the Sun Bowl. And then you have the Rhinos, Jets, and Thunder. Now very, it gets really crucial here in Green Island, Queensland, in the next couple weeks here. We only got about three weeks left. So this is the, the crunch time. Um, for this league, and we're working at uh, week 11, week 10, and week 11 gets crucial. Week week 10 next week, October 28th, the Rhinos taking on the Ravens, and so uh, the last time they met was in week two. The Ravens shut them out, 32 to zero. The Thunder will take on the. Uh, they met in week five, 14 to eight. Is it goes to the Jets, and then the Rays taking on the Spartans. Uh, obviously, that we know the Spartans have suffered. Uh, this whole season, and they've been out blown out over uh, 333 points. So, uh, Holly, it looks like, you know, we don't expect the Rhinos to beat the uh, Bayside right now because, you know, they're playing really good ball. But overall, I think uh, they have a shot. They really need to win. And if they beat the the uh, Bayside Ravens, that would be a huge statement for them. Uh, and it puts them up on the standings. They're currently third right now. Top four teams make the playoffs. The Jets will take on the Thunder even matchup here of these two clubs. So um, it's going to be a pretty interesting week 10 in this, uh, this upcoming week. And uh, the Rhinos could upset. We don't know. Uh, Thunder and Jets. The Jets really need this win more than the Thunder because that would move them up to a 4-4 four and four status. And given the Ravens are playing the Rhinos, that means the Rhinos would either lose a game here and the Jets would be in third place. Jets, top-tier team in this league as well, along with the Rays, um, in the history of the league. So uh, what do you think, Holly? you think uh, Bayside's going to be upset by the Rhinos? Well, I mean, if you look at the the, the standings, um, I it's basically the Ravens and, and the Rays are at, at the top for the top two spots. And then the next two spots are open for the playoffs. And then the, you have three teams uh, within a game of each other. And so I think the Rhinos it's going to be a tall order for them to, to beat the Ravens. I think, you know, anything can happen in football. Um, but I think the bigger game is actually the Jets against the Thunder because depending on how that game plays out, if the Rhinos lose, then it ends up being, they end up being, and uh, you might have some tiebreakers that uh, occur at that point for those last two spots. So if whoever wins the Jets Thunder game is really putting themselves in, in a better spot, especially if the Jets win and they end up four and four. Um and then 
and then if the Jets win and then the Thunder, uh, you know, if the Thunder would end up beating the Jets and they end up three and four and they're going to lose and, and they're, they have three wins, then, then it goes down a tiebreaker. So it's kind of messy, but that's the way it's supposed to be at the end of the season. You want it messy. You want to have something to play for. And so it will be interesting to see what happens. You expect the uh, Ravens to roll until the playoffs. I mean, that's really the expectation. I think, because, I think so, yeah. Because they're, they're outscoring everybody literally huge. And then it doesn't get any better. The matchup the week after, week 11, uh, Ravens take on Spartans, and we know the Spartans have played horribly through the season. And taking on number one ranked Ravens, I don't see the Spartans upsetting. So we'll just, you know, we'll just say that the base is going to win. Um, but week 11, November 4th, is where the – the cream that 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 little thing we're talking about the fourth slot, Jets will mm-hmm. take on. Um, I mean, uh, Rhinos will take on Thunder, and that could decide the number four spot. Who who's in in the number four spot? Because if the Rhinos get beat by the Ravens, then the Thunder takes on the Jets. You know, and then all of a sudden the week after, Rhinos take on Thunder. So as your scenario was there, the Thunder. This is more of a must win for the Thunder than it is mostly for the Jets. But uh, right. the strangest things have happened. So, um, Gridiron, New South Wales, uh, the North, uh, Northwestern Phoenix, and the Ac- Diamonds finished up in a draw, 22-22, to 22, uh, week seven there. And the standings in the uh, Gridiron, New South Wales, you can follow our Twitter feed. You can go to our Facebook page, and you'll see the standings there as well by the league. Uh, the Raiders out of UNSW, 6-0 and right now. Northwestern Phoenix, 3-1-1. and the Act one one and two, Utah. Uh, the UTS Gators one and four. The Rebels, New Sydney Rebels one and five. Uh, crucial matchup here, the 28th. The Act Diamonds will take on UTS Gators. Um, this is a big matchup. The Diamonds need to win more so than the Gators. Gators are one and four, even though they really need it. The Act Diamonds really need it because if they go up, if they win here, it's two one and two, and they put themselves in third spot securely. So that's uh, what they should be shooting for at this point, meaning of the season for them. But crucial matchup, more so for the Diamonds than it is for the Gators. Do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think so. I think, um, I think the way that that's, uh, that the league is set up is a very important one. Um, I mean, I think when you get down to it, though, every every game is valuable and. You just have to take it a game at a time, but I, I think you're right. I think that's a more valuable matchup at this point. All right, so let's move on to Great Iron West. This is their first year in Great Iron West, the inaugural women's league in this in this season. So, um, Holly, everybody's excited. Uh, all the players that I've interacted on um, over social media, uh, this is huge for them. The opportunity to have a full-fledged league now in Great Iron West. So really exciting times down in Australia. Now we have all uh, sections of the country, uh, east, west, and south, and north. Everybody has women's great iron now all over the country. So really awesome. Yeah, I think it says a lot about the development of the sport in Australia. I mean, when I've done some research on the history of women's football, Australia has always been a place um, that's had a lot of development in football, period. And now that they're starting to develop the, the women's side even more, 
I think it's huge. I mean, and especially like if you're like you said, if you're able to cover the entire country geographically, then you can develop, you know, uh, regionally, and then maybe even get to the point where you have those regions playing against each other uh, in a more competitive environment. So it's exciting. Yeah, the uh, the um, Great uh, Great Australia um, Australian Gridiron League is the state. Uh, body that will encompass all that. So hopefully in 2018, it will also include Great Iron West. So we'll see how that works out. Um, Great Iron West, let's talk about them. Uh, week 1, October 6th, it was Curtin Saints 50-0 to against the Swan City Titans. Uh, and it was Perth Broncos 14-6 to against the West Coast Wolverines. Week 2, October 14th, it was the West Coast Wolverines 18-12 to edging the, the Curtin Saints. Um, and so each team one and one at this point. Then this coming week, October 21st, week three, uh, it was uh, basically Perth. Um, I'm sorry, week four, uh, October 14th. I was the Broncos versus the Perth Blitz. The Blitz adds the Broncos six to zero, so they win their first win for their club. Very exciting times. And then West Coast Wolverines t- uh, t- shut out the Swan City Titans 30 to zero. West Coast Wolverines two and one on the season now. Pretty much the front runners with this two-game winning streak for them. Solid defense so far with uh, some shutouts here, allowing only about four points a game. So they got to be really, really exciting right now. Yeah, I mean, if you're only allowing four points a game, that, that tells you you're getting after it on defense side of the ball. And that's kind of, you know, that's in my wheelhouse. I, I like that kind of play. So, yeah, really exciting. I'm excited to see how this uh, fleet develops. And so next week we got – Perch Blitz coming off their first win, all excited on in their franchise in terms of the women's uh, game. They're taking on Curtin Saints, one and one. The Curtin Saints looking forward to uh, moving up to two and one. So Perch Blitz, one and zero, taking on Curtin Saints, one and one, and this is going to be October 28th. So we'll uh, keep eyes on that and get the results for you on our Facebook and Twitter feed as well. And then we also have uh, talk about overseas. The Czech League final has been set. It's going to be November 11th. It's the Bitters Bowl, Rose Bowl 3. It will be the Prague Black Cats. will be taking on the Brno uh, Amazons. Both of these teams have owned the championship in the last three years, the Prague Black Cats first, uh, first year. Then Brno has been winning the last two championships. This is a rematch. Um, uh, the win was 56, uh, 56-25 versus the Harpies this past week for the Black Cats to move to the championship to Rose Bowl 3 on November 11th and that's the uh, Czech League there. We're going to talk about also in Aus- the Austrian League, and we'll let me get that going here, right here in my notes. Austrian League, uh, we have week, uh, week four, the Grants Giants. They lose to Swats Hammers, 32-12. to 12. Um, You can go on our Twitter feed and get all the information there as well. You can go on to www.football.at to get the latest uh, current standings there. This coming week, week five, it was the uh, Schwartz Hammers, 12, Budapest, 26. The Wolves take on, uh, beat the Hammers. Then it was the Dacia Vikings, which have owned this league. Uh, they have basically 14 championships since 2013. 44-0, they take, off the te- take on the Tough Patriots. Then you have the Denobi Dragons, 44-6, um, to 6, beating the Grant Giants as well. Week 6. Coming up, 10, uh, 10 26, October 26, the Hammers will be taking on the Patriots. Must win here for the Patriots if they want to stay in contention here. Uh, one and three there. 
the uh, Swartz Hammers are one and three. Who will earn their second win of the season? That's pretty much there. On the 28th, Budapest will take on Dacia, a big matchup there. And then Denobi will take on Grant, which Denobi at this point is undefeated. So I don't know if it's going to boast well for Grant, who's 0-4 as well. So we'll keep tabs on that, and we'll keep you updated as the results come in on our Twitter and our Facebook page as well. Austrian League is uh, really awesome, uh, Holly. It's, uh, it's uh, since 2000, so it's almost 11, almost 14 years uh, evolved. So it's really awesome. You know, it, it's crazy, but, you know, the longer that we're out there and the, and the longer that these uh, countries are developing their product, the better that it gets, right? So, uh, I mean... I'm just really proud of, of these countries and these programs out there that have been around long enough that they're starting to see a huge uh, results from that effort, and it's only going to get better. Like we've talked about before, uh, when uh, a lot of these camps happen and people get knowledge and they go back and they get better as players, but not only that, but they take that knowledge with them to their teams and their countries and I think as a whole, football is a sport, especially women's football. You know, anytime you have leagues that are around that long, it tells you that there's something there. Because if it's just, you know, a flash pan minute of the league being around for a couple of years, that's one thing. But if you're around 10 years, that, that tells you that there's something there. So hopefully they can uh, continue to build on that. So it's an awesome times. We will keep tabs on everything international. Uh, week two, week one, week two of FX Mexico coming up. They're in their uh, second week as well. Uh, so we cover it all, everything globally, uh, at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter, at Gridiron Beauty on Facebook. Shout out to all our network partners, everybody that feeds us the information. Amazing people, uh, love and passion for women's gridiron globally. So uh, thank you everybody for helping us out and spreading the word out for women's gridiron internationally as well. And so. Uh, Go to our uh, Zazzle.com site at Zazzle.com, Gridiron Beauties, and get your tees, leggings, and everything else. Zazzle's been a great sponsor of ours for a long time. So check it out. Order your uh, gear there. If you're in international, go to the Zazzle site under the Worldwide tab at the very bottom, and you choose your country. You can order that directly, and it gets you even faster. So um, thanks, uh, Holly, again, for being here today. Uh, Troy was – we're missing Troy, obviously, but uh, he'll be back next week. So, great show, Ali. Heroku, uh, Kenneth Moeller-Jolly, and then uh, Elisa Salazar from the Utah Falcons, the champion Utah Falcons, I should say, IWFL champions. So, um, we had a great time. Yeah, definitely. It was a great show. I love being on here. So, hopefully we can do it again next week. Not next week. All right. It's Halloween, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Halloween. Uh, we're not going to be back uh, until November uh, because Halloween is next week. So, we're taking some time off for family and everything else. But you guys can catch the next edition of our show the first week of November. And you can always uh, download our previous podcast on Apple Podcasts. Just search Gridiron Beauties on there. And you can also listen here on Block Talk Radio. So um, for Holly Custis, for the absent Troy Wilson, and for um, the special guests that we had today, Hiroku, Kenneth Jolly, and Elisa Salazar from the Utah Falcons, we'll catch you here in November on the Gridiron Blitz right here on Black Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts. Have a great night, everybody. Good night.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.